0: You're invited to The Prom, the next Broadway in Chicago show at the Cadillac Palace Theater, playing for one week only, April 19th through 24th. This show is described as having a Jewish soul. The Prom is a musical comedy about big Broadway stars on a mission to change the world and the love they discover that unites them all. Okay, real talk. I saw this show on Broadway and was dancing in my seat the whole time when I wasn't crying. Okay, sometimes I was dancing and crying at the same time. The prom makes you believe in musical comedy again and is so full of happiness that you think your heart is gonna burst. Everyone deserves a chance to celebrate at the Cadillac Palace Theater for one week only, April 19th through 24th. And Mishkan Chicago gets a special discount code. The code is PARTY49 for $49 tickets, valid for April 19th and 20th evening shows only and the 21st in the Orchestra, Dress Circle and Loge seating area. Again, PARTY49. So get tickets now at BroadwayInChicago.com.
1: Welcome to Shabbat Replay. We play the hits from last week so you can enjoy them today. You're listening to Mishkan's Dovening Team play at the Friday night service on March 25th. Rabbi Stephen delivered a passionate drosh, connecting the oppression of the LGBTQ community at the hands of right-wing states to the soul-crushing slavery our ancestors were born into, which obscured the truth of their identity as bearers of the image of God. God. So we've worked really hard to reach this moment. And I have to be really honest, I am sitting with a lot of feelings that are making it hard to lean into the peace that we've created in this space. About a month ago, when we last gathered here, I mentioned the Don't Say Gay Bill, a piece of legislation in Florida that would prohibit educators from speaking about LGBTQ issues in the classroom. And in that month, since I mentioned it in this space, it has passed the House and it has passed the Senate and it will soon be signed by Governor DeSantis. And I am angry and I am sad and I am honestly tired of fighting the same battle that we as queer people have been fighting for my entire life, Of feeling like every step forward is met with a disproportionate push back. And this bill... This don't say gay bill is just one of many, because this year this year alone, lawmakers have proposed a record 238 bills that would limit or curtail the rights of LGBTQ folk in this country. And for comparison's sake, this 238, less than 200 were filed in total last year, and it is March, late March. That's an average of three bills per day. And a little over half of these specifically target the trans community. And these bills include measures that would restrict the discussion of gender and sexuality in schools, would limit trans people's ability to play sports from grade school to college, ban trans folks from using the bathroom that corresponds to their gender, limit or ban gender-affirming health care and criminalize those who would provide it, and permit institutions to discriminate against LGBTQ folks on religious grounds. This is, of course, a good time to remind everybody here that Judaism, our tradition, our religion, explicitly prohibits discriminating against LGBTQ folks. For we are both forbidden from doing anything that would endanger the life or well-being of another person, and we are explicitly commanded to uphold the fact that every single person is a reflection of the divine image. To practice our religion freely means to live in a country that respects the dignity of all people. Yet these same bills hinge on arguments of religious freedom and of family values and children's welfare while simultaneously denying the truth claims of our own tradition and the integrity of our families and what we know to be best for our LGBTQ children. So I am angry and I am sad. And I'm really tired of this, as imagine many of you are. And as these lawmakers find novel ways to embed discrimination into the fabric of this country through school boards and court orders and executive actions, I must admit that I'm beginning to feel a little hopeless. And maybe some of you are too. And in this way, These 238 bills and counting, regardless of whether they succeed or fail, have already achieved their purpose, to make us feel less than, to make us doubt our ability to change this world for the better, to make us question our worth. How do we maintain our dignity at a moment that actively conspires against it? Our tradition has something to say about that. In the narrative arc of the Torah, as Rabbi Lizzie mentioned earlier, the Israelites have just completed the Mishkan, this portable synagogue and community center that will carry with them for the next 40 years of wandering through the wilderness and are in the process of directing the people who will care for this space. And we are told that Aaron and his sons will serve as priests, maintaining the sacrificial system that is going to serve as that primary interface between the people and God. And these past few chapters have been devoted to the long and detailed instructions on how they'll dress and what they'll need for each sacrifice and the content and quantity of each of them. We have finally, after all of these chapters, arrived at the moment when Aaron, freshly ordained as a priest, will assume his duties in this sacred role. And this is the moment God is present and the people have gathered and the tools and materials are ready and he doesn't move. So Moses says, Krav Elham hamizbeach." Aaron, approach the altar. This is the task you've prepared for. Do it. Of course, the rabbis take this seemingly banal interaction and ask, why in the world did Aaron hesitate? He has been given clear instructions. He is dressed for the job. He has everything he needs to do. Yet despite all of these external signs of readiness, the rabbis recognize that Aaron did not feel worthy of this sacred task in his heart. We have to remember that Aaron was born into slavery. Most of his life has been spent in a context that taught him to undervalue himself and deny his own worth. He has been overworked and underfed and dehumanized every step of the way. And even though he has made the physical journey from slavery to redemption, even though he has been designated by God, God's self, for this particular sacred task, even though it might appear to everyone around him that he is totally fine, Aaron is still struggling to untangle his self-image from the vision of himself that was shaped by decades of degradation. It takes Moses beckoning him to the altar to take this first step toward overcoming his doubt. So I want to be clear. Moses calling Aaron to the altar is a radical act, a radical act, for it asserts the bold and courageous truth of Aaron's dignity against a world that has taught him to deny it. It is a statement of faith that reaches back to the very foundation of our tradition, encoded in those first chapters of the Torah, that each and every one of us is a reflection of the divine, a being of inherent worth and incredible ability. It is no small feat. But at a time that would have each of us believe we are less than, radical action is required. I sincerely believe I really do believe that if you are alive at this moment, it is because you have a unique and sacred purpose that is needed to help heal this world. And we also find ourselves in a moment that pushes us toward hopelessness and despair. I get it. Every time I open up that stupid news app, I get it. But believing in our smallness, when we are called toward greatness, will only allow for those in power to enact violence against the most marginalized, which includes people in our own community, which includes people in our own families. This is personal for each of us. We all have a stake in this. Our tradition tells us when given the choice to affirm or deny the dignity of other people, we choose dignity every single time. This Is that radical act. Radical because it moves against a society that encourages us to undervalue or devalue other human beings. Radical because it pushes against the instinct to do nothing, which is an easy option, and the option that those in power would love for us to take. Radical because it requires us to be big and to be bold. And I don't necessarily mean those things that we might think of automatically when I say big and bold here are three things that I feel are radical acts that help me choose life. The first is anger. Despite being taught my whole life to shy away from anger, I've learned that when harnessed in the name of justice, anger can be a life-giving and life-affirming force for change. Make that radical choice. Allow yourself To feel angry. Is there anybody in this room feeling angry about this? Yes, okay, thank you. Allow yourself to feel angry. Get angry that the rates of suicide and depression are increasing among LGBTQ teens and children. Get angry that 2022, the three months of 2022, is already the most violent year to date for trans and genderqueer folks in this country. Get angry that lawmakers are using their office to pursue discriminatory legislation rather than actually protecting our families and the lives of our children. Take that righteous indignation and pour it into action. Protest, advocate, call your legislators, vote. Good Lord, run for office, I don't know. Each of these are holy acts that our tradition obligates us to perform as powerful and as essential as prayer. But of course, fire without kindling will burn out. Recognizing the blessings in our lives can be that thing that keeps our vitality stoked, especially when our anger threatens to crowd out other feelings that give us life. So I have to admit something. I've gone into maybe a little annoying habit of late of thanking my friends for their friendship. I text them a lot. But why not? Why not? What they have given me and what they continue to give me is a gift that is so easy to take for granted, but when we actually stop to think about it's something so special. It's the gift of time. It's the gift of thought. It's the gift of presence. So make that radical choice. Make the radical choice of gratitude. We don't say thank you enough. We, like, we really don't. If you think you do, you don't. <laughs> Perhaps we're scared that showing our appreciation for another person, we open ourselves up to rejection. And there is some truth to this. Because in gratitude, there is incredible vulnerability to say to another, you have given me something that on my own, I didn't have. But that risk comes with the reward of affirming that the other has offered something to you and to the world that was so needed and so essential, and was up to that moment lacking. And finally, make the radical choice of love. Speaking at the Oxford Union in 2015, Dr. Angela Davis argued that love is perhaps the most extreme action that one can take, for it cuts to the very root of things. Pushing aside the myriad ways that this world has obscured the truth of our dignity and our worth. Love is what allows us to recognize the image of God in each other. And to be held in love, whether our own or that of another person, helps us remember that this divine reflection exists in each of us as well. Some real talk. The legislation that has been proposed is not grounded in religious freedom or family values or children's welfare it finds its origins in hate. And it has been said so many times before, we meet hate and bigotry and fear with love. And I'm not talking about the turn your cheek, hug your enemy, gather around the campfire kind of love, but the kind of love that is proposed by Dr. Davis, an extreme love, a radical love, a love that protects and affirms and lifts up and honors And create space for the other person to radiate that inner light that is so uniquely and so impossibly theirs. And so, this is my blessing for each one of you that when you feel overwhelmed by a world that is not as it should be, when you feel pulled towards hopelessness and toward despair, that you make radical choices. To be moved by your anger. To cultivate space for gratitude. To love with boldness and with wonder. And my sincere hope is that in those moments when we feel a bit like Aaron, disconnected from the sacred inheritance that belongs to each and every one of us, we find ourselves surrounded by Moseses. And when we encounter someone who's a bit like Aaron... I ask that you be their Moses, beckoning them to take that step into their power. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishcon, thank you for listening.